Is it me or is it you're, you're getting there? Okay. Um, I want to begin by sharing one verse from John chapter 10, verse 10. And we know it very well. And we know that the enemy uh, of our souls is at work in our world. Jesus said, the thief comes only to steal and to kill and destroy. I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. I brought four students with me this morning from Teen Challenge. We have a, another team out uh, in another part of the province this morning. And they're going to talk about, uh, in their testimony, how drugs and alcohol uh, was playing a huge part in their lives and how the enemy was using it to steal and kill and destroy. But I want you to listen this morning as they talk about how they've come to experience the abundant life that Jesus promised. Addictions in our country is not just a problem. Folks, I believe this morning it is a crisis. Addictions can be broadly defined as a condition that leads to a compulsive engagement with a stimuli despite the negative consequences. That can lead to both a physical and a psychological dependence. Now, we also know in the world of addictions that we have two types of addictions, those um, that are a substance-related addiction, such as drugs and alcohol, or also uh, another one is behavioral addictions, also known as um, things like gambling or a sexual addiction. Now, substance abuse is quite common in Canada. It's estimated that 21% of the population of Canada, or about 6 million people, will meet the criteria for addiction in their lifetime. Now let that statistic uh, sink into your heart and mind this morning. Drug abuse is closer to our home than we think. Substance abuse is on the rise worldwide, and Canada is not immune. Here are some really alarming statistics for our Canadian population. Do you know that $22.8 billion are spent a year on drug abuse? It's costing our taxpayers that much. From the treatment of uh, drug abusers as well as hiring additional law enforcement and equipment. $8 billion is the annual cost of substance abuse to our health care system. 47,000 Canadian deaths were linked to substance abuse annually. Actually, in 2017, there were 46 opioid uh, deaths in Saskatchewan. We are in a crisis. I read my wife a statistic this morning, or actually last night. There are 950 criminal groups in Canada. And 80% of those get their revenues from illegal drug sales. 
In 2017, the police reported, now it's a, a ways back now, that the rate of drug offenses in Canada has reached its highest in 30 years. Now, my background is I spent 12 years as a federal prison chaplain. In fact, can't even get away from it this morning having breakfast in uh, the days in. I, I bumped into an old chaplain friend who's still serving in Bowdoin Institution in Alberta. And we got talking about old times and some new times as well. And then I told him, look, I got to get ready to go to church. So, um, but here it is. Every, for every $5 spent on drug rehabilitation in Canada, our Canadian government spends $95 in incarcerating drug users. That's a whopping amount. It costs about $50,000 to house a student at Teen Challenge per year. When I served in corrections, it was about $100,000 a year to house a federal inmate. So imagine two guys could receive the freedom in Christ and overcoming addictions that uh, we often see in Teen Challenge. One in five Canadians experiences a mental illness or an addiction problem. You know, they're starting to put addictions and mental illness together. People with a mental illness are twice as likely to have an addiction, and people with an addiction are up to three times more likely to have a mental illness. So, enter Teen Challenge. How many are familiar with the ministry of Teen Challenge? Do we have any sponsors here this morning, people who are sponsoring students? God bless you. Thank you for, for uh, your faithfulness there. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about sponsorship afterwards, and we have a table here if you want to talk further. Teen Challenge began in Canada in 1972. Uh, it's a 12-month faith-based residential drug and alcohol rehabilitation program that is part of the network of over 13 Teen Challenge can, uh, centers across Canada and more than 1,100 worldwide. Our mission is to help men and women overcome substance addictions to lead full and productive lives. So, I don't know if you know this, but we will soon have two centers that Teen Challenge Saskatchewan operates in this province. Of course, we have the Men's Center that's been around for about 15 years in Allen, Saskatchewan. That's where um, I have the privilege of directing. But very soon, we will open up a 26-bed center for women just north of Hague, Saskatchewan. In fact, they are hiring staff. They've already received some applications for uh, women who want to come into the program. And we're excited about what God is going to do through that center. The ministry is growing. God is good. As I travel around the province, I see the faithfulness of God. As we see people who care, who would call themselves a friend of the ministry, who are intimately interested in what God is doing in the ministry. And I believe that is the case because addictions seems to hit all of us. 
I have two brothers who struggle with alcoholism in their lives, though I come from a pastor's home. How many would say you know someone in your immediate family or close to your immediate family who has an addiction issue? Yeah, this is, this is common. Uh, people are struggling throughout our, our nation. Teen Challenge has a, a $1.2 million annual budget. And as I said, about $50,000 a year to uh, house a student. In my years of pastoring, I never had a $1.2 million budget to ever sweat over. And uh, you know what? I don't sweat over this one either. Because I am convinced that when God is in a ministry and when he's called you to do something, he provides. And I have seen that time and time and time again, that God is providing. So we have about a 1,000 sponsors throughout our province. Uh, My wife and I sponsor, and uh, I know many that do. And it costs $40 a month, just like sponsoring a child overseas. And um, it gives you the opportunity to invest into God's work in the life of a student. So if you're not currently a sponsor, we'd love to give you that opportunity today. Um, Teen Challenge is operated by some core values. First of all, and I want to say this unashamedly, we are Christian. I believe that it is the power of God and the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit that sets men and women free from the power of addictions. And you will hear that in our testimonies this morning. So we're Christian. We're committed to those who are caught in the bondage of addictions. We love these guys, and we we know that God loves them and has an amazing plan for their lives. So I want you to listen for that this morning. We value people. You know, it's a people-oriented ministry, not only the students, but the uh, supporters as we travel throughout the province. And we're faith-based, so we have to be good stewards of what God provides. So we do not spend frivolously or um, on things that... uh, uh, we don't need. We, we know that God has a bigger picture in mind. But more than that, and I believe this is a core value that really, really shapes us, is there's hope. There's hope. Life-controlling addictions can be permanently overcome. In 2018, I had the privilege of seeing 13 students graduate from, a one, from the one-year program, and two from a six-month refresher program. Of those 15 students, I'm pleased to say that 85% of them are still living and walking in the freedom that they discovered while they were in Teen Challenge. Now, We'll see as God continues to lead their lives, but we have routinely seen a high rate of success beyond the walls of Teen Challenge. Now we could say, well, the reason for that is it's not the good cooking at Teen Challenge. It's not 
um, the wonderful accommodations. It's not because we have all of the professional disciplines there. It's because of the Jesus factor. And I want to make that very clear this morning. God uses a number of ways to bring freedom in people's lives. I have met people who have come to understand freedom over addictions without ever setting foot in Teen Challenge. So Teen Challenge is one vehicle that God has chosen to use. And obviously, he's chosen to use it for now we're in our 61st year uh, internationally. And so God continues to use it, but it is the Jesus factor. So we are not just wanting our students to come to a knowledge of God, but to a personal transforming relationship with Jesus Christ. In other words, we're looking for a heart transformation. During my years in chaplaincy, I saw one of the strong problems I see with the corrections in Canada is that they look for behavioral modification. So what that leads to is a rotating door. Men and women going in and out and in and out, and many of them because they're caught up in an addiction. So it's personal transformation that will make the difference in, our, in their lives. Well, I just want to share really quickly, very quickly from God's word this morning. Luke chapter 15, we know the prodigal son. And I believe there's actually a lesson in there for addictions. In Luke 15, Jesus tells the story of a wealthy man who had a son. He actually had two sons, and that one son decided that he did not want to live under the father's roof anymore. He, he wanted to do his own thing, his own way, how he wanted, when he wanted, without any interference from his father. So he asked for his inheritance, and he went out to find his destiny. And we know how the, the story ends up. The Bible says that he wasted what he had on prodigal living. Words that describe a prodigal are wayward, meaninglessness, self-indulgence, wasteful, reckless, and uncontrolled. The prodigal son began to squander and lose everything that he had, and he began to be lost in a cycle of what we would call addictive living. There may be some of you here this morning that might be in that place or you know someone that's in that place. They are stuck in addictions. And you know exactly what we're talking about this morning. Maybe others who are recovering from addictions. As we become more and more indulgent in addictive behavior, it develops into a lifestyle. And then the problems mount and life becomes a continuous struggle just to survive. See, what happens, folks, is that the cost of an addictive lifestyle outweighs its benefits. And that's what the prodigal son began to understand. And so his life, as we often say, 
hit rock bottom. And in a, a place of pain and uh, a place where he didn't ever expect that he would, would end up, he found himself in the wrong place at the wrong time. And it just went from bad to worse. Bible tells us that a famine hit the land and he found himself feeding pigs. Now, no, no offense to those who raise pigs, but that would probably be one of the last jobs that I would want to do. And the prodigal son, while he was longing to, to eat, he couldn't even afford to eat what he was feeding the pigs. And the Bible tells us in Luke chapter 15, verse 17, when he finally came to his senses, he decided, he made a decision. And his decision was he would humble himself and return to his father's household. But not as a son, but to go back even and offer himself as a servant. When he came to his senses. That's a point that a, a person has to come to when they're caught up in an addiction. They come to their senses. They, they hit rock bottom. That point happened to every student that enters Teen Challenge. They hit their rock bottom. They came to their senses. They decided that they needed to return to the Father. They admitted that they were alienated from God, that they needed God's forgiveness. They needed to be restored and that they would commit themselves to do whatever it would take to be free. I love how this story ends up because uh, as the son is making his way back to the father, you get a real sense that God, the heart of God here, as you, you see a father who is watching, and from a distance he sees his son coming, and many great songs have been written about the father heart of God and how he reached out to his son even while he was afar off. Well, this morning, I know the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. If um, we had the PowerPoint here this morning, you would see the before pictures of our guys, and they might say, I'm glad the PowerPoint's not working this morning. Um, but then you'd see the after picture. You're going to get to see the after pictures they come and share this morning. I see life in their eyes. I see a healthy body. I see a healthy mind. I see the power of God at work in their lives. And, and uh, so this morning, I'm going to invite a young man by the name of Nathan. He's probably one of our, our youngest guys in the program. Um, and uh, Nathan, uh, come and join us and come and share your testimony this morning. So Nathan, uh, before you get started, I'm just going to, is that stuck? <laughs> there you go. Is that on there? Hello? Okay. All right, Nathan, you could use that. Tell us what uh, month of the program you're in. I'm currently in month seven. Okay, just fine. entering. 
So yeah, um, you actually just took a little bit of what my entrance there, with the not having any PowerPoint there. Yeah, it's all right. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, yeah. My name is Nathan, and I'm absolutely blessed to be in Teen Challenge right now. And to be honest, I'm pretty. I'm pretty glad that PowerPoint actually didn't come up this morning, and I didn't want to see that after that before picture ever again. And Second Corinthians five seventeen says that the old is gone, the new has come. Anyone who's in Christ Jesus is a new creation. And the old is gone. I don't have to look at that anymore. This is my new creation. This is God's new creation. So, good day, everyone. My name's Nathan. I'm 24 years old, born in Gander, Newfoundland, raised in St. John's. During my early childhood years, I was raised in a non-Christian home. I was the firstborn sibling, along with my sister Janelle and my brother Marshall. Growing up in a home with no Christian beliefs, I had to put up with physical, emotional, unfortunately, sexual abuse from my mother on an almost daily basis. On a slow period of time, over a slow period of time, immensely broke me, and I always thought of myself as a failure, destroying any, any self-esteem I ever thought I had. Since the age of two, I was diagnosed with severe epilepsy that would progress throughout my life. I had to deal with massive grand mal seizures every day. In spring of 2010, April 22nd, at approximately 4 o'clock, and that afternoon, I came home with my dad, dying from a critical heart attack, and just minutes later, he passed away in my arms at only 15 years old. Others blamed me for his death. If only Nathan was there sooner, he'd still be around, is what they said. I blamed myself for his death for eight years. Right away, the stress and grief just kept on piling up, and I didn't know what to do. It was way too much for me to handle. I had to find a way to deal with all the emotional pain and the trauma I was going through. We soon left St. John's and moved to Twilongate just a few hours away. My mother introduced me to marijuana when she seen me in such a grieving time in my life. As soon as I picked up my first joint, I knew I found my escape I was looking for. All the pain, suffering, and distress disappeared stored away, never to be dealt with until years later. After a year constantly smoking up, and any family that I had left couldn't put up with my negative life choices anymore, I became a slave to my addiction. My addiction came first, and everything, and everyone else, including my family, came second. One day I remember coming back from the grocery store, and I got caught shoplifting. When we arrived back home, I remember pushing my grandmother over the table, sending her to the hospital, just because I didn't get what I wanted. That was the first time I got arrested, and rarely have I seen any family since. The next stop was foster homes, homeless shelters, and soon enough, back to St. John's, roaming the streets, doing absolutely anything to get my next high. After being on the streets for nearly a year, I was brought in by a family a couple hours away, I had an opportunity to stay with them for a while. 
Unfortunately, they couldn't keep me for very long due to their son having some medical issues like myself. I thought it was back to the streets for me. But fortunately, I was introduced to a man by the name of Scott during my short stay. The family I was with told him a little bit of my background. It came with many problems, and none of which were an easy task. He knew nothing about me and about my life and addictions. And with my medications being $700 every month, he knew that I was just the beginning. With myself being a a thief, a liar, and so much more, he was in for a rough journey. He took me in and gave me a place to live. God love his heart. A few days upon my arrival was my 17th birthday. And that morning, social services wasn't long knocking on the door, asking about my living situation. And yet he still wouldn't see me on the streets again. He gave me a place that I could call home. It's been now seven years with this man. And he, he's, he'll always have a special place in my heart. And I still don't know how he put up me after all these painful years of my addiction. After a few months upon my arrival, we had to move to Saskatchewan. Some employment issues came a problem. So I made the hard decision to leave everything behind, including any family that I had left. When we moved to Saskatchewan, it didn't take long to hunt down that next drug dealer and get my next high. I was still too scared to deal with all the pain and stress I was going through. Any money that I had acquired had had all gone to my addictions and cigarettes. Over a matter of six years in Saskatchewan, I was introduced to coke, mushrooms, and soon enough I became a raging alcoholic. Everything in life just kept going downhill for me. But yet some good things happened too. I got a surgery for my epilepsy, but until I was ready to stop drinking and stop the drugs once and for all, it didn't put a turn in the right direction. I came to be a social person right away, met up with the wrong crowd of people, and once again started choplifting again, eventually stealing vehicles, and was arrested multiple times because of it. Having epileptic attacks almost every day, a trip to the ER was a daily routine. I was on the way to my grave. Started up a local, small local yard work business, and I managed to keep it going for a couple of years, and it just kept on feeding my addiction. One evening, as I was on my way back home, I was approached by a pastor from one of the nearby churches. We spoke momentarily, and me, being the type of person with no joy, sense of happiness in my life, I had a very negative attitude. He came to speak to me about the Lord Jesus. I was an atheist, never got to know anything about God. He came to tell me to try to Sunday worship, and so I gave it a shot, and I soon found myself going almost every Sunday. I went, but I went without a meaning. I went to be social, not to hear about the Lord. I wasn't ready to fully submit and surrender. Early January 2017, the pastor came to speak to me about Teen Challenge. So me, the pastor, and a couple members of the board made the choice to take the road trip up to the Allen Center. Upon walking through the doors of Teen Challenge, we were welcomed with smiles, caring, and kind-hearted people. I knew that my life was a mess. Everyone around me knew it, 
and I was just a little ways away from death. God had a plan for me, and I didn't know it. I was sent to Teen Challenge that day for a reason. As soon as I got home that night, I had to make a life decision. Do I stay in the life of addiction, living a lie, walking closer to death every day? Do I, or do I take the holy road with God by my side everywhere I go and everything I do? Only I can make that decision. No one else could. Being suicidal, ready for death to take me out of this life of misery and depression, I finally hit a rock bottom. I was all out of options with nowhere to run. I, was, I would be happy to leave this world and never come back at that moment. Sick and tired of being sick and tired, I made the call to Teen Challenge that night. That will be the call that will change my life. I knew it wasn't going to be an easy fix. There was a long waiting list to get into Teen Challenge, and so I just kept up my old ways until the call came. I toughed it out, trying to pull the happy face on everyone just to make others feel happy. That I was okay, when really on the inside, I was empty and alone. After five months of waiting and getting everything in order, my freedom call came. And that would be the call that would be forever life-changing. Right then, I knew that God wasn't on me yet. And things were all starting to come together. With all this help, with all this help that God was giving me, I knew I couldn't fix my life alone. On my second day in Teen Challenge, I made the life-changing decision to surrender myself to God Almighty. Now I have faith. I have God. It's been six months in Teen Challenge. Seven months in Teen Challenge, sorry. And I know what true, true freedom feels like. My epilepsy has come to a slow halt, and that in itself is just one of God's miracles. The lonely grieving soul that walked through those doors, Teen Challenges months ago, has been made new, reborn, and found that close relationship with God I can never come to seek and find. I'm more than proud to call myself a child of God, and my spiritual journey with the Lord has only just begun. Teen Challenges show me that even when we are in the hardest days of our lives, as long as you seek the Lord, you will witness this light shining down on you. Like Brent says, there's always hope, but Jesus is everything and he always comes first. For as long as we speak truth, be righteous, and have clear faith in the Lord, then we will have the full arm of God and we will ascend from the darkness of Satan's demonic schemes. We will be unstoppable, forever victorious, and a fearless leader with the Lord Christ Almighty. I would like to thank the staff, the sponsors, and all the ministries that support Teen Challenge. For without any of you, our experience with Christ would not have been possible. I would like to leave you with a scripture that helps, you, helps me with my spiritual journey with Christ. Surely God is my salvation, and I will trust and not be afraid. The Lord, the Lord is my strength and my song. He, he is my salvation. Thank you.
Amen. Thank you. Um, thank you, Nathan, for sharing from your heart. Um, I'm going to invite uh, Mitch and Joe to come and join me up front here. Um, you know, we, we have, uh, it's interesting, at one point in our program, we had eight guys over the age of 50, and Joe uh, is one of them. I know it's hard, hard to tell, um, but, uh, and, uh, but I, I actually, uh, I felt quite at home because I'm, I'm in that camp too, so, uh, but uh, I'm going to begin probably with you, Mitch. Uh, uh, what month of the program are you in when you're going to graduate? I'm in my 11th month, okay. um, so I'll be graduating April 5th. All right, April 5th, so coming up. So what, why did you come to Teen Challenge? Um, yeah, like just, just like a lot of the guys, I, I had a, a serious um, addicted life for the last 12 years. Um, in the last five years, getting really serious into fentanyl and meth and spending a lot of, the, a lot of that time in jail. And uh, just coming, you know, to the end, I didn't, I didn't have anywhere else to turn, and and I, I actually came to Christ while I was locked up in jail in Calgary, and and that's uh, kind of what led me to Teen Challenge. I needed a place, to, I needed a place to go, where I could uh, walk with Christ and and learn a lot about the Christian way of life and stuff. So, all right, so um, a year almost in Teen Challenge. So lots of lots of different. I'm sure there's a lot of folks here that want to know what's what's the uh, what's your favorite part of the program. Uh, well, as I as I got as I went through the year, that question you've asked me it a few times, and it it always seems to change. Um, at one point, I would have to say, you know, just getting to. To do a lot of things that I'd never done before. Uh, playing on baseball team this year, I learned how to play music, stuff like that. But now I'd have to say, closer to the end of my program, it would be just having that relationship with with Christ and and every day knowing, kind of knowing where I stand there, and uh, you know not having to wonder like I did in my old life. So yeah, today it's and a sense of accomplishment. You know, I never really. I never really completed many things in my life, and, and getting through this year has been one of the hardest things I ever did, but definitely one of the most rewarding things, right? It's, it's honestly been the best year of my life, so. So picking up on that, what would be the hardest part? The hardest thing, especially now getting to the end, is living with all these guys, right? And, <laughs> um, and, and we're filling up. Yeah, um, it's, I think we've had eight new guys since January, so. Yeah. It, it's good. Like at that one point, I would have said that's the best part too, right? Because when I was on the, on on my my own in, in my addiction, I was on the streets. I didn't have really anybody, um, you know, friends that really aren't your friends. And so that that tends to be the best part too. But yeah, right now, it, getting to the end of it is very hard. Especially when I come back, I, we get to go on passes in the in the last part of the program. So I go away for a weekend and come back, and, and I gotta stay in a room with four guys. So. <laughs> Do you have a scripture verse you'd like to leave? Yeah, re recently, this 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 scripture has been, uh, you know, it, it basically it tells me how to live, and and so I, I'm gonna just gonna recite Psalm one, and that's blessed is the man who walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, 
nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the shaft which the wind driveth away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the congregation of the sinners, um, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. Um, yeah, something like that. But, uh, you know, you got... Uh, yeah, that, that, it speaks to my journey, so I just remember that. All right, Joe, uh, what month of the program are you in? Uh, I'm in uh, month 10 right now. So you'll graduate in... Uh, May 3rd. May 3rd, just in time for kayaking season. Just in time for kayaking. Yeah, there we go. Now, Joe is making a, well, has made a kayak that we brought to the center, and um, I think he had it out in the lagoon there one yeah, once, right? for a half hour, yeah. Yeah, so okay. It still uh, floats. So why did you come to Teen Challenge? Well, uh, like everybody else, I guess addictions. Um, I guess I, you'd call me a functioning alcoholic for years and years and years where I could control it. Um, I always used to trust God and I used to think I was above alcohol, so I didn't drink till later in my life. But it did uh, sneak into my life and then started controlling my life. Um, so. Yeah, that's pretty much why I came here, because it was just all falling apart. Okay. So what would your favorite part of the program be? Um, right now, it would be just to have that year where I don't have to try to pay the bills, try to live, and try to get to know and get to be closer to God again. Okay. Hardest part? <laughs> all the guys. <laughs> That's a common theme, yeah. y'all. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> going from living pretty much by myself, uh, providing for myself, doing everything for myself, and living with four guys in one room. Yeah, it's a little different. All right. You got a verse to share? Yeah. Um, my memory is what it used to be. Uh, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. Thank you, Joe and Mitch. I'm going to invite Daniel to come and share his testimony this morning. And uh, would you welcome him this morning? Hello. Okay, cool. So what, uh, what month of the program are you in there, Dan? Uh, same as Uncle Joe. I'm in uh, month 10. He's not actually my uncle. I just call him Uncle Joe. All right. So yeah, my name's Dan, I'm 23 years old, and uh, yeah, I, uh, I grew up in a good family, a good home, did lots of sports, had lots of uh, people around, but never really considered any of them friends, and uh, I guess that was a big part of my addiction too, I never really thought of that until 
sitting there and staring at my hands, trying to count all the memories that I've had with all the guys here in Team Challenge. So that's been, uh, it's been something awesome. But yeah, I, uh, I grew up the oldest of five. And until I was about 10 years old, uh, we were a Christian family. And then all that kind of changed when my parents decided they wanted to follow Judaism, which really threw kind of a curveball into my life because at that same time, we moved to a town called Dalmany, a little Mennonite town. So this family of not Jewish Jews moving to a little Mennonite town, getting asked questions I had no idea how to answer. It was, it was a weird little world that I lived in. And... Uh, yeah, when I was about 13 years old, I really started suffering from depression and uh, ended up on and off medication for the next few years. And yeah, just trying to escape all this confusion and hatred and pain that I had. And uh, when I was 16, I was in an accident. I got hit by a truck and I ended up uh, sitting in the hospital bed holding my helmet. And I was cracked in half and it's kind of interesting. It was the only time I'd ever worn a helmet biking and it happened to save my life. And I didn't even think to look to God to say thank you for saving my life. I thought, oh, life's too short to live on the safe side. So I ended up uh, abusing my pain medication, and that was when my addiction all started. Uh, coming off of that medication, I was going through serious withdrawals, and I ended up started smoking marijuana, and it ended up just a casual thing, but it grew into an everyday. And then every day in high school, I was just showing up, just stoned out of my mind, and yeah, it's all kind of a blur. And after high school, my parents graduated that summer. So right after I graduated, I moved out and started doing my own thing. I was, uh, by the worldly standards, I was successful though. Like I was working construction, had started saving up and making my own money, making payments on all these things and had my own tools. And I started building up and building up. And then uh, I started getting into the party scene so I started drinking and getting into some heavier drugs, and that was when I uh, kind of stopped caring about all the worldly things, like saving up money, having cool cars and stuff, and fell into the, the first of the cycle of the drugs, and uh, ended up losing everything. And for the first time in four years, I had uh, moved back to my dad's and sober up, and I was kind of sitting there, and I looked at him, and I was like, man, this is... This is horrible because I really had to face the music then. All of the pain and stuff that I'd been trying to ignore came and was just knocking at my front doorstep. And my dad ended up going out, uh, out with a bunch of buddies to, I guess, a weekend at the lake. And I ended up attempting suicide on some pain meds. And again, God spoke to my dad while he was on the highway. And he said, turn around, your son needs you where he found me fading in and out of consciousness and throwing up all over myself. And uh, yeah, I was rushed to the hospital and I ended up in the mental health hospital for the first time. And uh, that was a real eye-opener. And then I thought, well, okay, maybe if I just tone it down from the hard drugs and keep smoking my weed and take the prescription pills again that they were giving me. So I did that for a few years and built myself back up. I had two vehicles, ran a roofing crew, had a full-time job traveling Saskatchewan in rural areas, building internet towers, and I was on top of the world. Like, my ego was so big, I'm surprised my head didn't explode. And, uh, yeah, I ended up uh, getting introduced one day to cocaine, and that was the one that uh, I told myself, 
my whole life until that point. Never going to do it because that's going to be the end of me. And sure enough, as soon as I tried it, I just instantly changed my life. I uh, ended up for two years functioning, but barely. I uh, was able to go to work and still make money, but I was blowing my paychecks. Hey, uh, it was weird. I ended up one day really sitting there contemplating, do I want to buy food this week or should I just buy more drugs and more booze? And uh, I actually bought the, bought the drugs and the booze because I just didn't care anymore. So by March of last year, I ended up putting myself into a drug-induced psychosis from lack of sleep and just way too much going on. Like I was burning the candle at both ends and I... Uh, came to the end of myself really and I ended up back in the mental health hospital where I was in a room with two beds and for the first night it was just me and everything collapsed on me. I just was lucky I was in a safe place because yeah, suicide was just the best option. Everything I looked at was, oh, that's a good way to kill myself kind of thing until all of a sudden God placed him down in that room and he'd come from Teen Challenge and he looked at me and told me, Man, you don't belong here. You got to go to Teen Challenge. There's a better, better way of life. You deserve better than this. And I first was like, man, you, you don't know what you're talking about. You have no idea. And he looked at me and he said, yes, I do. So that was when I uh, really started thinking things through. I opened up for the first time the Bible my mom had given me years ago. And I, uh, yeah, I uh, thought, okay, God, this is it. So I prayed and said, God, I give up doing it my way. Let's do it your way. So I ended up filling out an application. I was finally starting to cheer up and a little bit of excitement. So I go up to the nurse and I was like, I'm ready to discharge. And she goes, what happened to you? I was like, I think I found God. And she looked at me like, man, you need more help than we can give you kind of thing. <laughs> so... <laughs> So, yeah, I, I took that as a kind of a vote of confidence of, okay, that's the right sign. That's what I need to do. And, uh, yeah, I ended up walking up the doors, and I was a mutt. I was cutting my own hair so I didn't have to pay money to get that cut and just saving money in all the stupid ways so I could spend it on stupider things. And, uh, yeah, God really just broke me down and broke me down and broke me down. Like, I remember one day... We were in the chapel, and I just couldn't do it, so I had to get up and go for a walk, and I was walking down the grid road, and first I started crying, and then I started screaming, and then I started laughing, and then I was just, it was weird. It was just like a total roller coaster of emotion. By the time I got back, I felt like I got hit by a truck again. It was just emotionally a train wreck, and uh, I remember sitting there going, okay, now that that's over, let's, uh, let's get down to business, so... I really just started working on all the emotional pain that I'd been hiding over the last however many years, and God just continues to open doors for me. And uh, it really spoke to me, the scripture uh, in John seven thirty seven. On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the spring whom those who believed in him were to receive. For as yet the spirit had not been given because Jesus had not been yet glorified. 
So then I just finished off reading the Gospels and I realized, wow, Christ died for me and that is where to get the living water. And then this scripture in Jeremiah popped out at me, 17, 7 and 8. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope and confidence is in the Lord. For he is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when heat comes. For its leaves remain green and it is not anxious in the year of drought for it does not cease to bear fruit. And that's now become my mission through this program. Just soaking in all of the spirit that God has poured out for me and to be able to share with everybody that God's got a plan for each and every one of us. It's just up to us to listen and to submit. And that's something I spent my whole life trying to run away from. And let me tell you, it's a lot easier to just submit than it is to try to be stubborn about it because rock bottom doesn't feel very nice. And uh, everybody at Teen Challenge can testify to that. Yeah, thank you guys all for having us out here. Thank you so much for your support and your prayers. Like Brent was saying, Teen Challenge is a ministry run by people who care. And uh, yeah, thank you. One of the things I would say in closing um, is we need your prayer. You know, we, we, uh, we talk about, you know, people who sponsor, people who support and give. But I want to say from the, the, one of the most important things that we need is a covering in prayer. Um, if you are prayer warriors here this morning, um, we would covet your prayers. Um, we are constantly aware that the enemy wants to uh, thwart the work of God. And so it's critical that we continue to have uh, people praying for these men and for the other uh, 19, 18, 19 men uh, that we have. We have one coming this week. Um, and, uh, you know, the enemy will try to derail uh, the decision they've made to come. And so we would invite you to prayer. Pray. Um, we're going to be at our back table if uh, you are interested in knowing more about the sponsorship program. Uh, we would ha be happy to chat with you there. But thank you once again for the invitation, and we appreciate it very much. God bless.